I chose Chris because he's got a really inspiring story. Not only has he started a welding fabrication shop, he's also an accomplished rally racer, and he completed all that without the use of his legs. Chris is a paraplegic, but that definitely does not stop him from chasing his goals. You'll have to listen to the episode for the rest of it, but I think he's a real inspiration to a lot of people, including me, and I think his talk might help some of you guys who are sitting on the fence about whether to break out on your own or to stay at your job or do whatever you're doing right now. I think it's a real tipping point. Hope you guys enjoy it. You can find him on Instagram at crabik, C-R-A-B-I-K-713. You can find me at JMW Fabrication. You can find the podcast at Welding Business Owners Podcast. And I hope you guys enjoy this one. I started following you like a couple years ago. Oh, and nice. like, you know, it's it's funny because I feel like we have the same mentality of like, don't give me your excuse and right. um, right. Of, of like why you can't do something. And when I found you, I was like, oh, my gosh. You this you like you can't tell any excuse to this guy. So. <laughs> well, I, I try to make it that way, you know. Okay, it it all just kind of happened by chance. Uh, I wouldn't say chance. Uh, more of a pursuit of opportunities and mm-hmm. seeing something that might work and kind of saying fuck it and go for it. Yeah, and uh, if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, you know, try again, do something else. Yeah. Uh, but I figured uh, having a welding shop would make it easier to build a rally car and provide the money to build a rally car. That was my ridiculous justification to start a welding shop. Well, it's funny because like I always said that I started my welding business just to feed my tool addiction because I just love tools and right. I loved welding and fabrication. So I'm like, well, how do I go about getting more tools and doing this for a living? I got to start a business. And yep. that like for for a long time, that was like my justification of starting it. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I was working for other people. And, I, you know, you look at your paycheck at the end of the week and I go, man, I can't build a rally car on this. Mm. And I would look at my bosses and I'm like, if these guys can run a business, they're not, <laughs> they're not even that good at it. And they're doing well. There shouldn't be any reason why I couldn't. And just kind of one thing led to another. And it was. It, uh, there's so much more to it than that. I'm completely glossing over most of it, but, <laughs> but I, I completely understand uh, how, why you started yours. It's the same reason mm-hmm. I needed more money to feed my addictions. Yeah. <laughs> Good addictions too. I was a terrible employee. Um, you know, I felt like I, I knew how to do it better, faster, cheaper. And I questioned everybody else's like, why are you doing it this way? Why won't you just do it this way? It's faster. You yeah. know what I mean? So I was a, I was a terrible, it was it, like, it's funny because the jobs that I did have, I, I kind of worked independent because I didn't really need to, you know, I, I, I answered to my boss, but I was like doing maintenance mechanic work and like refrigeration work on overseas containers. And it was very independent. And that's the way I liked it yes. because, um, you know, if you try to micromanage me too much, it was just, it just turned out really bad. We are like. I've <laughs> I've quit several jobs because they tried to micromanage me. Yeah, and I had the same mentality. Like I know how to do it better, or or I have done it before in the past. So don't mm-hmm. tell me how to do what I already know how to do. 
And I, you know, I've lost some jobs over the years from, from that, but yeah. uh, I always have a, a skill set and I can always make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw the the pictures I sent you the other day. These jobs just, people think they fall into my lap, but it's really 25 years of proving that I can do whatever they want me to do. Sure. So guy brings 65 Chevelle over, wants a 2000 horsepower streetcar. Why not? <laughs> you <laughs> know done that before? Nope. I'll nope. figure it out though. <laughs> nope. I've I've welded before. I've done mechanics before. Yeah. I've never built anything near this this much power. I don't know how to do a lot of it, but I have friends that are are, are very good and experts in their field. Mm-hmm. Like I met a, a body guy today that's a classic car restorer. He came over and he showed me where to cut, how to do whatever. And then after that, it's just welding and fabrication work. Yeah. And then I'm hiring out somebody to do the body work itself, like the okay. bondoing. And because I know that's above me, mm-hmm. um, I, I want it to be, I mean, this is the sla- this guy's last car he's ever going to build. So he's 78, this guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, he probably doesn't need a car quite like this, but <laughs> I am never one to tell people how to spend their money. <laughs> why not uh, you're 78 of course you need 2000 horsepower (laughs) exactly (laughs) he he said he wants to take it down the strip once and detune it to about eight or nine hundred and he just wants to drive his wife around town in it so it'll be a street legal drag car that he just wants to drive his wife go get ice cream and shit that's awesome. <laughs> That's cool. what I want my retirement to be. <laughs> yeah, 2,000 right? horsepower daily driver. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it was the car that came out when he, I think, either turned 16 or graduated high school. Mm. And his dad said he could not have a 65 Chevelle Supersport. And he's like, my dad's been dead 10 years. I can buy what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you, dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's my inheritance spent on this car you said I couldn't have. <laughs> so it's it, it's going to be a fun project. It's, it's just kind of started, but I have smaller projects that I'm working in between it. Mm-hmm. So th- this car is going to take over a year to build. Of course, yeah. I got to narrow the frame and do all this other stuff that, like I know how to weld and I know how to measure things and I know kind of what to do, but I have other drag car builder friends that are going to come over just to make sure I'm, you know, I'm not building a coffin here. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> His daughters would be pissed if I, something <laughs> bad happened. <laughs> so that's just kind of the story of my life though. I know a lot of people kind of shy away from anything new or out of their comfort zone, mm-hmm. but I don't like doing the same job twice. After the first time it gets boring. My gosh. Yeah. I, it's funny. I left a job when I was doing overseas container work. I was working eight hours a day uh, while I was there eight hours a day. Uh, My work only took about four hours because we had to, you know, pre-trip them and plug them in, check the cords. And it really took me about four hours. And then I had three hours. I felt like it was a prison and I was paid really well at the time, like really well at the time for being 20, whatever I was. And I quit. I met my wife and I found a, I, I got a job offer closer to home and it it paid not quite the same couple of dollars less, but I would be closer to, to home and I left. And it's funny because I actually just quit and they said that I should have taken a leave of absence and then quit so I could keep my health benefits for another six months. I could have had health benefits for a year instead of just the six months that I had because I quit the wrong way because he's like, nobody's ever quit your job. Nobody's ever quit. It's, it's <laughs> such a cakewalk job. I'm like, 
yes, that's a big reason why I quit because I couldn't stand doing the same thing over and over. And I would have been fine just doing my work and leaving, you know, but they're like, nope, you got to be there eight hours. I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, okay. I found, I started a side business while I was working my actual job there because it was actually a union shop. So there wasn't like, oh, well, we'll just put you over here in this department and you can do that. Like I was in refrigeration and that's what I did. And yeah. you kind of can't do, you can do a little bit more than what you're supposed to do, but don't get too far out of your lane. Don't do too much because we've got it pretty good here. I'm like, oh, damn. Okay. So <laughs> I, I hear you on that, man. Well, and some people like that, but I just never, you know, even in high school. So I started work. I lived in the country. So I, you know, I put up hay for farmers and I even ground sugar one year. Very weird job. Very messy. Smelled good. Uh, but there's some weird shit that's in sugar. Uh, it, it makes me not want to eat sugar ever again. Really? I found we found a 79 Ford truck grill one time in a bag of sugar. <laughs> what? Yeah. It was, it was food, food grade sugar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we would we would uh, take this because it was reject bags. And we would uh, grind it up, mix it together, and go in cattle feed. But the the feed store would give us the sugar, and then they would sell it back at a hundred dollars a ton. And we we would do, Jesus, fifty sixty ton in an afternoon. Wow! I mean, it was good money. Not I didn't make that much money. I was making six dollars an hour, probably or something silly. <laughs> uh, the farmer got paid a bunch. Yeah. So I did that, and then I one of my first jobs was I worked at a water slide, which was the easiest job in the world but it wasn't building it wasn't doing anything i really like to do mm. so i was making 12 dollars an hour in 2002 at that job wow. the, the owner really liked me for some stupid reason i mean <laughs> I, I, I screwed off mostly and looked at girls in bikinis all day it's really what i did <laughs> uh but after that i started uh building telescopes for mit with a local professor that was building them in his basement whoa so I was building radio telescopes at 16 years old uh, after size, after class. <laughs> uh, but I, I was in a basement, had one little window, uh, got stir crazy. A friend of mine was a big electronics guy. So I, I just gave him my job mm -hmm. and went to grinding. Uh, I was working for a mobile mulch grinding company. So I went from building radio telescopes for MIT to drive in a World War II era payloader grinding mulch. And I had way more fun doing that job. <laughs> you know, well, I got to learn how to do things. And then I, I did some welding there for them. I broke their welder. They told me I wasn't allowed to use the welder anymore. I failed every welding test in high school. Votech, the career center, mm -hmm. uh, wouldn't let me take the welding class because I was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> they, they said, uh, they gave me a hammer and nails and I ended up doing building trades. Doing <laughs> they said, Oh, Rabick, he doesn't need to be near welders. I'm like, okay, well, they must be the experts. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, I finished last in my class as far as the test went. I was oh, the wow. worst with the worst welder in my class. Hmm. So why not start a welding shop 10 years later? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Way uh, to prove them wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck them. You know? <laughs> Obviously I got a little better when i got right. older i hope so <laughs> well nothing seems to come back so they're either so mad they don't bring it back or it still works <laughs> yeah 
so so like i said even in high school was wide range of jobs i unloaded hazardous waste off of rail cars between 5 p.m and 5 a.m on school nights because that i I probably shouldn't have been doing that actually (laughs) um i think i was 17 and a friend of mine's dad had a hazmat license to halt this hazardous waste and so me and his son would take forklifts in and out of these rail cars unloading jet fuel and all kinds of things. And then we'd go to school, you know, we'd get off at five o'clock in the morning, go to school at seven 30 or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> Back in high school when we didn't have to sleep. <laughs> yeah. They, well, and I even had a couple teachers that let me keep pillows in the classroom. And so I could sleep because they, cool. they knew I was working all the time. And yeah, you know, but the reason why we had to go between five and five is because the railroad cops weren't there from five and five. Because they would, they just thought, shut you down. Well, a couple underage kids unloading yeah. hazardous waste. We can't do that shit. <laughs> we did though, quite a bit back in the day. How old are you? Thirty-seven. Oh yes, same here. I feel like our generation was the last generation to actually get away with some stuff like that. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, hundred like percent. We looked at the general. <laughs> I, I feel like every generation says that, though, if you think about it. Back in my day, we used to do this, this, and this. And then it's like, well, you know, now we're those guys saying, oh, back in my day, we used to work five to five unloading hazardous waste, you know, at 17 years old. Like, do the kids these days get away with anything like that? <laughs> well, no, they're all tracked. Every every motion of every kid is tracked somehow. Right? and And I don't know if that's because they know their track they just don't go do the, the dumb shit that we did mm-hmm. um it all ends up on the internet back in the day we could get away with stuff because we, not everybody had cameras in their pockets you know it wasn't until college when the first when i was in college the first iphone came out and back yep. you know even before that like if you somebody brought like a digital camera that to like like a a, a part a party or something like that that was like a big deal you know what i mean like oh, yeah. now it's like something happens everybody's on their phone right away yeah and i don't know if i like that or not uh i mean i like the ability to have um high quality pictures we can take pictures and video anytime we want uh but the other problem with these kids they're actually nobody forces them to put anything on the internet mm-hmm. they're all just uh voluntarily doing it voluntarily doing it yourself in trouble (laughs) well they get themselves in trouble and i think they just want the attention Mm -hmm. uh i can't think of any other reason just like we used to embellish stories a little bit you know it was you know if you jumped your truck over a hill it all of a sudden turned into a 150 foot gap (laughs) yeah you know know, it makes the story a little better but (laughs) I I'm glad we got to grow up when we did uh, because we had a mix between the technology that was starting to come out. We got to enjoy some of it, but then we still got to play with sticks and rocks and had a hell of a good time playing with sticks and rocks. Absolutely. (laughs) Now I can't get kids outside. I can't even get them into my shop. You know, they'll, 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 I'm in a wheelchair and they bring chairs because they want, they don't want to stand. Like you lazy shits. <laughs> like I kill the stand, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> uh it they drive me nuts. 
Yeah. So I guess we should back this story up a little bit uh, to give a little bit of context because, um, yeah, people, obviously they don't have the video, but um, yeah, you run a welding and fab shop and you're in a wheelchair. Oh yeah. Yeah. The wheelchair thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. About that. (laughs) That was was pretty important part of my life, I suppose. Yeah. So, (laughs) so let's rewind a little bit and, um, you know, start from wherever you want. And bring us up to where where you're at today, man. All right. Well, the accident happened just a couple months after high school. So after I got done unloading hazardous waste, and I always worked for the farmers. I'd work uh, by truck light, loading up hay and stuff at night. I had two side businesses while I was in high school. I was moving my stuff out of the house before graduation. I had already found a place to live and it was just down the road, but it was away, you know, mm-hmm. it was my own place. And I was doing uh, concrete work at the time. I was putting basements up and I really, really liked that job. And I was making good money. I was saving money. I was partying way too fucking hard. I had my, I had my own place. I was the only guy in my class with their own place right after high school. So we did a lot of drunken, stupid shit around, <laughs> around that house. <laughs> uh, my poor landlord. He, uh, we're still friends to this day, but if you uh, only knew, <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, he figured it out. <laughs> All the broken glass he found in the yard, apparently golfing and beer bottles. A beer bottles, not a tea um, for golf ball. We, <laughs> we tried. Your landlord. <laughs> yeah, he actually tore down that house. Uh, I don't think that was because of me, but I hope not. <laughs> so. Uh, so I was dating this girl at the time and she was wanting to learn how to drive like five speed. Everything I ever drove was a manual. Mm-hmm. Like I, I got my driver's test in a manual. All my trucks were manual. So I got off work one day and it was a hot day. It was July 13th. So it was super hot. It was putting on basements. It was like 105 or 108 degrees. So I wanted to go swimming. So I had her drive the truck so she could start. Like she's been practicing how to drive five speed. So she would drive on the gravel roads to wherever we were going. And there was this little swimming hole and she just got a little loose on one of the corners. We weren't going 15 or 20 miles an hour, maybe. And truck fishtailed overcorrected and it, there was an embankment and it just rolled uh, just once, just rolled one time over and my head hit the roof. I didn't have my seatbelt on and head hit the roof and I broke my C5 and six vertebrae in my neck and spinal cord injury so I, my injury is pretty high uh, so that's why my, my left hand doesn't work just my right hand mm. so so that was july 13th 2004 when that happened and i was in the hospital i had a halo on for a while there's all kinds of stories even in the hospital we could talk for hours it was <laughs> kind of a nightmare injury when you're 18 years old you don't oh, bad. know I had my whole life all figured out and planned out. I was going to be a heavy equipment operator. I was going to run my own business. I always wanted to run my own business because I think I'm a lot like you. Uh, <laughs> I always thought my bosses were fucking idiots. <laughs> um, turns out they just it's just really hard to run your own business. I, I kind of understand uh, the why they were the way they were uh, mm-hmm. now. I just thought they were assholes. But dealing with all us stupid asses, yeah, I bet they, I would, I get it. I, yeah, I get it. <laughs> you know, once, once I started having employees years later, I was like, this is why Jim was always pissed off. 
because <laughs> of you people like you <laughs> and i i catch myself saying the same things he would say <laughs> and uh so i was in the hospital for three and a half months three three and a half months and yeah i was supposed to go to lynn tech to be a cat certified heavy equipment operator and i called them and they said i was no longer eligible anymore hmm uh, although one of my good friend and neighbors ended up taking my spot, he got bumped up on the list and uh, now he's a, he's an operator. <laughs> he he kind of took my job, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, I was kind of happy for that, but I, I'm still mad at Lynn tech for that I'm sure. 20, 20 years ago. Uh, cause if you saw my pictures, uh, I can still run equipment. Heck yeah. I, I bought excavators and, skid steers and i've crawled up in the excavators down at the rock quarries and uh, big fuchs cranes and if i can crawl in it it's got hand controls i'll i'll drive it one way or the other do it man uh so after after that i just shit man it's it's a rough injury for anybody uh you don't know what you're gonna do and i wasn't a gamer i didn't like video games like i had video game consoles but my parents would never buy that stuff sure so I'd work my ass off and buy a like an N sixty four. Oh, sure. I remember. Yeah, yeah you remember N sixty fours, Mario I, Kart, Pilot Wings, and yeah, <laughs> yep. Zelda, and oh, is that Star Fox was a good one too. <laughs> but I I have these consoles and I could play them for an hour or so, and then I'd be out. Like we lived, we burned firewood, so I'd be out with dad or just on my own cutting trees down and. Like I had more fun splitting and stacking firewood than playing games. Yeah. So after I got hurt, uh, two the two thousand four technology was getting bigger, internet was getting better, online gaming was becoming a thing, but I just couldn't do it. It just wasn't in me. So they're not built like that. No, no. My friends, one of my closest friends, was uh, getting into drifting. Um, which I thought it was stupid. <laughs> like, you know, all these little Japanese cars and da 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 da. But then he did some work to one of his cars and put in a, a turbo engine and his Nissan 240. And holy shit, never been in something so fast in my life at the time. I said, well, maybe there's something to this stuff. And so I started building, uh, getting cars built. Because at the time, I uh, really wasn't even a big into mechanicing. Like I had trucks and I did my own stuff, but. So the first vehicle I bought after I got hurt was a 2001 Camaro. They kept trying to get me to buy a minivan. And, uh, That's lame. <laughs> yeah, exactly what I said. I'm 18 years old. I don't need a minivan. I'll be fine. <laughs> uh, the doctors were more concerned about what would be easier versus uh, what's really actually better for somebody my age and mm-hmm. yeah. my age and gender. You know, I, I needed something fun and. And then I ended up building a Nissan 240 as well with a, a turbo motor. And I, we, I spent the next two years just, I had, I had money from the accident from insurance. Okay. And I blew every bit of that in two years. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a bit, but I, I would get hotel rooms for my friends and we'd, we'd go to car shows and go to racetracks and just do, but I met all the friends that I still have today mm. through, through that. Sure. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. 
It was the best therapy money could buy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that was, but then I needed, I, I was out of money and my parents were the kind of parents that weren't going to pay for anything, uh, which is good. They, they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And so in 2000, uh, 2008, I found out there was a rally car race in Missouri. And I thought that shit was just in Europe. I didn't know we had any here. So it was February. It was cold as shit. I just iced and snowed a whole bunch. My friend Matt was wanting to go. And I'm like, this is stupid. We're not going to go play around the ice. I'm in a wheelchair, you little asshole. <laughs> and uh, he didn't have to twist my arm very much. We ended up going. And a lot happened there, but I just fell in love with it right away. Yeah. The, ver- the very first driver I saw crest a hill was Travis Pastrana, you know, <laughs> in a and a Subaru rally car full sideways with the anti-lag popping. And then just something broke in my brain right then that I said, oh, this is what I have to do. This drifting and drag racing shit is just not not my cup of tea. Because uh, my dad and I used to go hiking in the Ozarks in Missouri. We'd backpack and camp. That was backpacking, camping, and fishing was my, that's what I did Yeah. Uh, prior to my accident. So I figured this was a good way to get back to the mountains uh, where... I spent most of my childhood anyway, and just go a little faster this time. <laughs> so when I got done with that, I just immediately went out and got a job. And then within that summer, I realized that's not going to pay the bills. <laughs> or it's not going to build a rally car anyway. You know, you can survive off of that. So I went back to college, got my degree in construction. And then afterwards, just kind of fell into welding. Because my friend had a welder and dad's work had a plasma cutter. So I started making, uh, I made a sunflower for my sister's wedding. And, I, and I'm the guy that failed all the welding tests, right? You know, I, <laughs> I, the last person anybody thought would be doing this. But since I couldn't really hold a hammer and a nail, you know, a MIG, you just pull the trigger. It was not that it was easy, but it was easier for me to handle than sure. most other types of building things. Mm-hmm. And some neighbors saw the flowers that I were making. So they, they wanted me to make them little things. And But people started liking what I was making. And I don't know if they were buying stuff because they felt sorry for me or what. But eventually, that definitely wasn't the case. People just started bringing me more and more work. And I started doing these little craft markets and just selling out within a couple hours. Nice. So I decided to build a shop uh, about 20 miles, about 20 miles to the west of where my parents lived. And that's how Apple Creek Metalworks was born. And it went from art sculpture to a lot of agriculture stuff. I started doing mobile pipe pipe fence building. I would build full working alleys and barns. And I just crawl around the field welding. I saw that uh, that that track machine you've got. That's pretty, pretty. Oh, yeah. That like stand you up. Mm hmm. Did you build that or, or was that like custom made for you or like, uh, there's a company in Minnesota makes okay. those and I thought it might be a good, be a good business investment. It came with like a, a gun holder and all kinds of other shit too. And I didn't use any of that of course, but yeah. So yeah, that, that was a very expensive, neat machine and it, it helped me out quite a bit. I, I sold it. Uh, I don't have it anymore. Hmm. But for all those mobile jobs, though, it helped quite mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah, I bet, man. So, because otherwise, so if I was building an alleyway, 
I'd put the bottom couple of rails on and I would just get two by eights and stack them between the rails. And I would just crawl up the steps and keep welding higher and higher and higher. Before I know it, I was seven foot up in the air, balancing on this little board. <laughs> and then you got to get back down. And then you got to get back down. And then you know, go to the next one and do it all over again. Do it all over again. That's that's interesting, man. Yeah, and sometimes I had help, but not always. Yeah, uh, I tried to hire people. Hiring people is very difficult. Get them reliable, show up, mm-hmm. and and uh, quality is another hard one. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I was pretty prideful that everything that I built never would break and look good. And trying to get other people on the same page. Most people treat jobs as just jobs. Yeah. And I, I don't like that. You know. Do you have guys working with you now? Nope. 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 I'm all because I had to sell my shop. <sighs> it's been a rough couple of years. So in twenty 19 right before the the uh, pandemic pandemic whatever the fuck that thing was we had to deal for two years <laughs> <laughs> that's all another uh, tangent <laughs> right <laughs> yeah um i had i had uh, some nerve damage in my right arm they had to move my ulnar nerve because my hand would just lock up and it, it wouldn't work so i had to i had to take some time off and do a, a pretty major arm surgery I was in a I was in a sling for four months. So what I was doing though, because I I was the only one that could make money. I mean, it was my own shop and everything. Yeah. So I would just sell off some tools to kind of cover bills, and then I went right as soon as that sling came off, I went down to the the rock quarry who I did work for, and I was allowed to work there because I was they were deemed uh, what was they doing. It was an essential essential business, essential business. So everybody kind of let me go back to work. So I just went right after that major surgery. I went right back into the quarry pit, welding on shit I shouldn't be doing. Mm. And four months later, I pinched a nerve in my neck and I had to have C6 and seven fused. So yeah, back to back surgeries, one in spring of 2020 and then uh, 2021, I had the neck surgery. Mm. The, the neck thing paralyzed my right arm. I couldn't even get in my truck. Wow. Like I couldn't do any. I laid in bed for four months. Wow. And then had the surgery and laid in bed for another four months. So financially, I couldn't survive that. Sure. I, I was running. I ran out of stuff to sell. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I kept my old Lincoln Pipeliner, though, my SA200. Heck yeah, man. Uh, if you got a truck and a welder, you can go out there and make some money. You got to start. Oh. Yeah. So my whole business went from uh, building little flowers in my my parents' driveway to having a shop with employees with big contracts, making custom hay bale feeders. I built all the custom rollers and everything for these really neat, really strong feeders and thousand pound feed bunks. And Mm. like I was doing really good. I had a tire shop there too. I had tire machines and balancers. So I'm still a tire dealer. Uh, I even sold batteries for a while too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when Trump took office, our country decided to have that trade war with China Mm -hmm. and I lost like six months of work overnight. Oh, wow. I, well, most of my customers were farmers and they are the cheapest people in the world. Mm -hmm. And so they just, they just pulled all these jobs. So I had to, it was either close the shop or find new routes. 
and everybody needs tires and batteries. So I started learning how to mount tires. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes <laughs> what I'd have, you got to do, man. I'd have to use my cherry picker sometimes to pick the bigger truck tires up, put them on the machine. And <laughs> like I said, sometimes I'd have help. Sometimes I wouldn't it just depended on who decided to show up that day. Yeah. And so, yeah, I survived all that. And then a year later I had all the surgeries and, and uh, I sold the shop and the house, sold everything. Wow. But you're still doing it on the side now. Yeah, built another shop. Built another shop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Completely debt free. And I said, yeah, fuck this. I'm right back into debt. <laughs> <laughs> so you had an accident, got paralyzed, built a business, had medical situations, ended up selling the business off, and you came back and now you started it again. Yep, I started two businesses this time though. <laughs> oh, because one wasn't <laughs> enough. <laughs> well, same... the misery. All right, here we go. Let's it was, hear about this. <laughs> it, it was back to our earlier conversation. It was you had you you started doing the welding and you own your own shop to pay for your tools. So shop number two is funding a racing school that I'm doing on an old air base for people who drive with hand controls. So wow. uh, I I brokered a deal with a a local a, it's an abandoned airbase it's a three thousand acre airbase that was decommissioned after the Vietnam War and I bought some property down there near it and they're gonna let me lease out some of the runway the old runways and an old golf course <laughs> so we can <laughs> golf course <laughs> so we got we've got a nine acre golf course that nobody uses that we can build rally roads through. And then four miles of empty tarmac to, wow. uh, I want to teach people in chairs, uh, defensive and high performance and rally driving. <laughs> so, and I said, well, I'm going to have to have a shop. <laughs> so <I've> been... <laughs> so we got to pay was... for this somehow. Yeah. Cause I, it's such a crazy idea. The bank was not on board whatsoever. <laughs> um, Go figure. <laughs> yeah. They're still not on board. They still pretty mad at me actually. Uh, I told the bank I was going to buy property and start some storage units. So instead of building storage units, I built a new shop with a, a car lift in it and everything. <laughs> so I showed him a picture. I'm like, here's the storage unit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they've not liked me ever since I switched banks too, by the way. Yeah, uh, that wasn't there was no coming back from that, but they never would have loaned me money to do a racing school on an no. old on an old airbase. Yeah. And so I just kind of said, yeah, fuck them. I'll figure it out one way or the other. Figure it out, man. Figure it out. Well, that's it for this episode. Make sure to tune back next week for episode number two with Chris Rabick. Be sure to head on over to Instagram to check out everything he does over there. You can find him at C-R-A-B-I-K-713. You can find the podcast, the Welding Business Network Podcast. You can find me, JMW Fabrication. And I hope you guys really enjoyed this. If you did, please give me a five star on your podcast player. That really helps us out. And until next time, get out there, get it done, and get it invoiced.